This morning our text will be Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 16. As Jesus begins to delve once again into what it means to hear and to hear well. If you would please give attention to the reading of God's holy word. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely sufficient. And the word of the Lord is completely authoritative. Luke chapter 8. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. And do it. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we ask this morning that you would teach us from your word. Lord, you have called us to hear well. We cannot do that in our own strength. We ask, O Heavenly Father, That as your word comes to us, by the power of your spirit, you would make known the great deeds of your son. This we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. So we have here yet another example of our Lord Jesus Christ telling us what it means to listen well. It is not a surprise that this will now be the third occasion on which Jesus will tell us that we have to listen well. It's as if he knows us so well that even in giving us direction about how to listen, he knows we're not always listening. And we need to hear over and over again. That's the context of what we've seen here. You may recall there was the short parable of the man who built his house on the solid rock because he heard well the words of God. And then there was the man who built his house on shifting sand because he failed to listen well and to apply the word of God. Just last week we looked at the parable of the soils and how certain soils are accepting of the seed and bear fruit and others do not. And that is because Some do not hear well. They do not take to heart God's Word. And that's, again, what we are seeing here this morning. 
This shouldn't surprise us. We experience this sort of thing every day. More and more now. You know the kind of conversations you've had. You're speaking to your your child or your wife or your husband or maybe even your parents. And you are describing things that need to be done while they are looking at a smartphone. And you're saying, now you know we need to, we need to pack the car, right? Yes, sure, yeah. And you know we're going to have to make sure that this is taken care of in the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got that, yeah. And you know you need to, you need to clean up around here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then some time goes by and the car's not packed and things aren't done. And you walk up to the person and you say, well, why isn't all this taken care of? I, I asked you to do this. And they look at you with the most sincere look in their face and they look at you and say, you didn't tell me to do anything. It's because they never heard. And the evidence that they never heard was that they didn't do This is what Jesus is telling us. It is not enough to pretend that the Word of God is available to us. We must hear it, take it to heart, and act. And so this morning he gives us a wonderful example that we can see three ways in which we are changed by the Word of God as it comes to us. That first we are called to be light what it means to be light. And then secondly, we are called to be real. What it means to be real. And then third, through the Word of God, we are called to be family. Being light, being real, and being family. Well, Jesus begins here in the way that any good preacher pastor, teacher would do. He gives us an everyday example story that allows us to really understand what he is getting across. Now, it requires a little bit of transfer for us because times have changed technologically, but the principle is still sound. Jesus begins by saying, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. You see, what Jesus is saying here is, you don't take a light and light it and then cover it up. Now, It requires a little bit of transfer for us because we are not used to living in the dark, are we? Everywhere we go, there's light. Gone are the days when you had to go to bed at a certain time because there was no light and nothing that you could do. Now, if you really want to see what real darkness is like, you have to go camping. And even then, we take flashlights, lanterns, Smartphones. Camping isn't really even camping anymore. And so here what we have is a situation of a world in which when the sun went down, pretty much so did life. Life was dark. It's more along the lines of our experience occasionally when there is a power outage. You know what that's like, don't you? You look around and you spend the first few minutes scrambling to try and find a flashlight or a candle or something so that you don't stub your toe on the furniture. But for us, when the lights go out, there's nothing to do. I find myself, whether it's 8 o'clock in the evening, that I'm just, I'm ready to go to bed because I can't see anything, I I can't do anything. That's what life would have been like In these days. And the only way around it was to light 
a lamp. Now, a lamp in these days would have been almost like a saucer filled with oil with a covering top and two holes on either end. At the one end, there would be a wick that would be lit. On the other end, there would be a hole for air. And you would take this light, and it would be the only source of light in the whole house. And what Jesus is saying is, what kind of person would take the time to pull together this light in the midst of the darkness and then put a cooking pot over the top of it? Well, it's foolish. doesn't add any light at all. And as a matter of fact, if a fire is burning, what are the things you do to put a fire out? You cover it. You starve its oxygen. And then the light not only can't be seen, it dies. It's the same thing of putting a lamp under a bed. Now, we can't imagine our kinds of beds with box springs and thick pillow-top mattresses. No. In the ancient world, the bedroom doubled as the dining room during the day. You would take cots, kind of like camping, and you would roll them up and stick them in the corner. It would be like taking a blanket and rolling it up and putting it to the side. And Jesus says, who takes a lamp and puts a blanket over the top of it? No one. The only time you do that is when you're taking lessons from Smokey the Bear. When you're trying to put out the fire, you smother it with a blanket. Jesus is reminding us that this is not the purpose of a light or a lamp. And this applies then to to our own lives. We are called by God in His Word to shine as lights. When we are called by the Lord Jesus Christ and by faith we look upon Him and we see hope in our lives and we place our faith and trust in Him and what He has done on the cross and when we repent of our sins, we are changed. And what Jesus is saying is, how can you be changed and then act like nothing has happened? That's not real change. Why would God have given to us His Word? Did He give us His Word just simply so that we might know more? So that we could win Bible trivia contests? So that we could impress our neighbors with what we know? No. The Word of God comes to us with a purpose. The Word of God comes that we might be changed and that we might tell others You see, we are not to keep the Word to ourselves. We're not to put it under a jar, a pot, or a bushel. We're not to stick it under a bed. No. We are to be like the young ones in that song. Should we hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. It should be the last thing upon our minds to hide our light. You see, we are to shine with the light of the gospel once we believe to bring it to others, to share. We receive by faith, we trust Jesus, and then we share with others. Now, you might say to me, well, that's all well and good for you, Pastor. You like standing up front and talking to a bunch of people. I don't. I'm kind of an introvert. I don't like to talk to people about the weather, let alone evangelism. But you see, we are all called by who we are in Christ 
to share the gospel. That doesn't mean that you need to today go out to the street corners and the malls and grab strangers and cite Bible verses to them. That may be your calling, but your calling may be to share the gospel with your children, with your siblings, with your parents, grandparents, with your friends. It may be a calling to live a life that shows the truth of the gospel that others will see because you see, if we believe on Jesus, part of who we are, our DNA, is to share the gospel. We are not to be put under a bed or under a pot. We are to be placed, Jesus says where? On a lampstand, up high. You know why you would do that? You place the light in a high place so it reflects off the walls and off the ceiling and sheds even more light in the room. I don't know this morning where your room is. If it's the room at work, in your neighborhood, in Africa, but you have a room to shine in. Even if it's in your own home, you have a room to share the light of the gospel. You see, our purpose is to shine. We cannot just talk the talk of Christianity. We must practice it. We must let others see how we have been changed. And that practice includes telling others. But shining as the light is not merely about sharing the gospel. Ultimately, evangelism is not an end in itself. It is only a means. You see, the gospel is to be put to use in our own lives and in our speech so that the glory of God might shine forth for others. You see, the purpose of the believer is to shine the light of the glory of God in their lives. The truth of the gospel is so that we might live by it, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ as we get God's word as it comes to us, especially in the hard commands, the parts of the Bible that we'd like to skip over that tell us how we're supposed to treat others, how we're supposed to live, things we are supposed to do and not do. You see, those are there not merely to be a list that we are to follow of rules. No, they are to be there so that we might be formed into the image of Jesus. So that we can be Jesus to others. You see, the ultimate purpose of God's Word is not even the salvation of sinners. The ultimate purpose of God's Word is the glory of God. This is where God gets all the glory. When we cease to be worried about ourselves, when we cease to be me-concerned, and we become God-concerned. This is what Jesus means. He says, take the lamp and place it upon the lampstand. Why? So that those who enter, in verse 16, may see the light. You see, we are to shine that others might see the glory of God. That's what it means to shine. But secondly, we see there is something to being real. There is a real danger in faking things. 
isn't there? Have you ever had this experience where you have a conversation with someone and you quickly realize it is about a topic that you know nothing about? And you are deathly afraid of embarrassing yourself by showing you know nothing. So they begin talking and using all kinds of terms and describing things in great detail. Perhaps it is a conversation about repairing a car or about a certain sport and you are just sitting there bewildered and you just shake your head. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I know all about that. Just pretending and hoping that they don't ask you to define it. Right? This happens to all of us. We all have areas of life that we don't know about. It's what happens when husbands speak with wives about matters of things that are too mysterious to understand, like home decorating, flowers, things of this sort. It's what happens when wives plumb the mysteries of the triangle offense or the pick and roll. You see, you just pretend you know what's going on, but the danger is is that eventually you will be called upon it You will be asked to describe what is there and you do not have the reality you have been playing around. And you see, Jesus reminds us that this is not only true in the trivialities of life, this is true in grave spiritual matters as well. He says this in verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. There is a real danger to faking. You see, Jesus gives us a warning. Absolutely nothing will remain hidden. There is nothing that God does not already know. Nothing. You may as well stop pretending right now. He knows your very thoughts. He is all-seeing and all-knowing. And you see, God has not given us His Word that we might impress others or have power, or manipulate others by denying the reality of it and simply playing a game. No, this is not what God has done. The Lord has given to us His Word that we might be changed and that that change might be real. You see, it is too easy to try and fake it. There may be some of you here this morning and the reason you are here is to please your family. There may be others of you here this morning thinking this will get you ahead. You'll build friendships and relationships. There may be others of you here, even this morning, trying to convince yourselves that you really are a good person. And you see, this playing on the surface doesn't fool God. You see, the Lord God looks to the reality of the situation. And Jesus gives us a stern warning. He says, a day is coming in which all of this pretending will be stripped away. Even if you are the master pretender, if you can fake it better than any double secret agent, the day is coming when all will be laid bare before the living God. And then only those who have the reality of God's Word, whose lives have been changed, who are truly Jesus's, only they will know the reality of God's Word. You see, it is easy 
to hide from ourselves. Because you see, the better we are at hiding it, the less we realize that we are actually missing it. But spiritually, as we live, it is much like swimming. You cannot stand still spiritually. When you're swimming, you have to be moving. Or what? You sink. And this is much what it is like to live spiritually. You cannot stay in one place. If we have God's Word and it is real to us and we have been really changed, then we must go forward responding to God's Word. And you see, this is how we grow. This is where real growth is found. Jesus is deadly serious about this. He says in verse 18, Take care how you hear. Take care is a command. Listen up, folks. See here. Pay attention. What Jesus tells you, you have to hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. At first glance, this sounds very unfair, doesn't it? What do you mean, Jesus? Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Why don't you spread a little bit of it out to everybody? But you see, what Jesus is saying here is a truth of spiritual growth. Real growth comes when we hold on to God's Word and then we act upon God's Word. You see, when we hear, when we truly hear, then we begin to respond. That's why Jesus is so serious about this. You know what this is like in your own homes, don't you? It's when mom or dad really wants to get your attention. They look at you. They say, listen here. I want you to listen. What I'm telling you is important. And then if they've had this experience more than once, what they do at the end is they say, now repeat back to me what I just said. I want to make sure you were listening. This is critical. This is what Jesus is saying to us. Because we either hear Jesus now, or we hear Him at the judgment. For you see, just as Jesus said, there is, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that remains hidden. Not one single thing. Jesus is very emphatic. Nothing that will be hidden. In that day. And so those who are the have-nots in this case, those who think they have the truth, who claim to be Christians, who do religious things just to be seen, but who have not been changed, they will see in that day that what they thought was real was not. And it will be taken from them. But those who have the reality of God's Word who know it and seize upon it, they will grow in grace. To whom has been given will be given more. You see, this is how life works. We hear God's Word. We put it into practice. And then we grow. And we learn more from God's Word. And then we put that into practice. And then we grow yet again. This happens in all areas of our life. But let me give you just one example. We spoke earlier about sharing our faith. 
How can we share our faith? How do we know what it is that we should say? Do we have to wait until we've memorized the whole Bible? No. The way that you do this is you simply share your faith. And then in doing it, you learn. You hear objections. You have to study God's Word to learn how to overcome objections. You learn more about people and their needs. And you grow in grace and knowledge. And then you do what? You share your faith based upon that. And then you come up against different difficulties and other challenges. And that causes you to study God's Word even more. And you grow in knowledge. And then you do what? You share your faith. You see, this is how we grow in the Christian life. To whom much is given, more comes. The haves here, spiritually, are those who put God's Word into action. When you don't put God's Word into action, you lose it, Jesus says. There's an example of this from any of you who have ever taken a foreign language in school. You know what that's like, don't you? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you took high school Spanish or French? How many of you would like to be dropped into France or Spain? How much do you recall? The pastor, I haven't used that in 20 years. Exactly. You remember a few words. You don't remember much of what you were taught because you don't use it. This is especially true of a language. I remember when I first entered high school, a dear friend, a man who became a dear friend, was my Latin teacher. And he sat us all down and he looked at us and with a sort of stern face, which was not exactly as stern as we thought it would be, said to us, you have to work on your Latin every single day. You miss a day, it's like missing a week. You miss a week, it's like missing a month. You miss a month, forget it. Wow. Does that mean if I miss one day, I'm done? But you see, there's truth in that. If you don't work and practice at a language, it flows from you. This is the same with God's Word. That is why we need daily devotions in God's Word. Not because we need to check a box. Not because every Christian has a contract that is signed that they must have devotions at 6 a.m. No, it's because we must have God's Word in front of us. We must be learning it. We must be applying it if it is to take real root in our lives. This means that you must study God's Word practically as affecting your life. Not as a subject like math or German, or U.S. history. So, justification by faith, for example, is not just a doctrine. It must mean to you that there is hope for everyone, for the worst of sinners, even me. Because we're right with God, not by our works, but by faith in Christ. It means that missions is about more than maps and boards. Missions is about God wanting me to be involved in bringing the gospel to other places. It is about the Lord reminding me that I have brothers and sisters around the world. Providence is not just theory. It is not just a treatise. 
Providence is knowing that I can trust God in the middle of I have no idea what is going on or why it's happening. The church is not just a doctrine of ecclesiology. The church is about people around me that God has told me I am to love. You see, God's Word must take root in us. It must affect not only what we know, but what we do. There is much to be said in recent days about being real, about being authentic, about not playing at church, not doing things just the way our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did. Being real is standing for Jesus. It's letting God's Word affect your work, your marriage, your parenting, your school. That is being real and authentic. That is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus calls us to be light. He calls us to be real. And then finally, He tells us to be family. This is this incident that occurs from verses 19 to 21 where Jesus' mother and brother are trying to get to Him. And it seems odd placed here. Jesus is teaching and then all of a sudden there's this story in here about His family. And you have to understand... It goes all the way back to our first lesson about Luke's Gospel. Do you remember why Luke said he wrote this Gospel? That he would give us an orderly account of Jesus and what he had done. Luke puts things purposefully in his Gospel. This incident actually doesn't occur here. It actually occurs earlier in Matthew and in Mark. But you see, Luke puts it here to remind us of what it means to truly hear the Word of God. Because you see, when we really hear the Word of God, we are brought into Jesus' family. Do you see that? At first glance, we look at these few verses and we think somehow Jesus is really letting His mother and family have it. Oh, I could, be, I could care less about them. Look at all these people. No. As a matter of fact, Jesus' mother is one of the best examples in the Bible of someone who hears and does the Word of God. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that if you hear My Word and you are changed by it and your life is renewed and you evidence that new life by doing what I say, then you are a part of My family. Do you see how close that makes us to Jesus. God gives us His Word that we might be changed. And when we are changed, we become His. It is by hearing what Jesus has done that we are changed. And then we learn more and more and we put it into practice. You see, Jesus wants us to hear the Word and believe. He wants us to hear the Word and do. And what he says is, if you do what I say, that's how we know you're part of the family. It's the family resemblance. 
You know what that's like, don't you? I, I can see that even here. You know, one of the wonderful things about being the preacher is you're up front and you get to see everyone as they come in. Even when they bring relatives in from out of town. And I can tell when there are relatives from out of town because they look like you. They have the same chin, the same nose, sometimes the same hair. There's an, a family resemblance. And you see, Jesus says, this is how we know we're a part of the family. The family resemblance. It's when we do what He says. What a great encouragement and assurance to us to know that we are Jesus's because we hear God's Word and we do it. Because, brothers and sisters, you cannot do God's Word apart from Jesus. You can't. If you hear God's Word and apply it, then that is evidence to you that the Spirit of God is at work in your life. There is no other way. We cannot do it on our own. And when we are changed by God, it must show up in our lives. It's the family resemblance. The promises are ours. What a mercy Jesus gives to us. Look back. At verse 17. You see, Jesus could make us wait until the day of judgment when everything will be revealed to know whether He has been truly at work in our lives. But He says to you, I'm giving you a mercy. I'm giving you the grace of the family resemblance so you can look at your life and know that I am at work. How close are we to Jesus that He draws us into His very family? You see, Jesus, He wants you to hear. He wants you to hear and be changed. And He wants you to hear and to do. Will you hear Jesus today? Will you listen well? Will you put aside the things of your life that distract you and make you nod to Jesus and say, Sure, sure, Jesus, I understand. That's what the Lord is calling you to today. He wants to change you more and more. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to know that you are a part of the family of God. Let's pray.